0: Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive.
1: Thank you. Good morning, Trinity. Was it was mid, good midday to you. Um, I'm going to read uh, from Ephesians, Ephesians 4:14. 4, I pray for Ephesians. And deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And just checking out where my... Alpha Flyer um, bookmark is. Um, From Psalm 27, 7. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God myself, Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord would receive me. This is the word of the Lord.
0: I nearly forgot my Alpha Flyer bookmark. Uh, Good midday to you. (laughs) Thank you, Anders. It's a whole new whole new greeting there for you. Um, If you take nothing away from today, you've got that. Hello. Um, If you're new, welcome. Let me add my welcome to Anna's welcome. I'm Mark. I'm part of the team here at Trinity. And it's a great time to join because we're at the beginning of a new series. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at love. I think there is even, yes, there is. Look at that. I fancy slide. Um, So we're going to start today with the love of God, and then look at what the Bible has to say about love for one another, love for our neighbor, and how love is the most excellent way. You'll be loved up by February, (laughs) just in time for Valentine's Day perhaps. Anyway, let's leave that there. As we start, I want to invite you to take a moment to think about love. Why not do that now? Shut your eyes. What comes to mind when you think about love? You don't have to share it with the person next to you. I don't know what comes to mind for you. My local cinema is having a 90s season this January, and Titanic's on the list. Is this, this a thing for anyone as you think about love? No? No. Um, <laughs> Something else that comes to mind for me is music. So my eldest son, Caleb, is nine, and he now gets to sit in the front of the car sometimes. And he's discovered the car radio, old school. And as he's perused the airwaves, he like tries to avoid adverts and anyone talking. So we, like, we, we listen to a lot of weird stuff. We've listened to BBC Radio 3. Anyone else listen to BBC Radio 3? Modernist classical music. Is it music? Not sure. Um, Anyway, as he's perused the airwaves, I've been struck by just how many hymns to love dominate popular music. And the definition of love that is being sung about is often so, so narrow. So, there's your insight into my psyche for this morning. What comes to mind when you think about love? Is it romance? Is it friendship? Is it family? Perhaps for you, it's a painful thought. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's grief. Maybe there's like a sense of self-sacrifice around love. And the reason I ask you this question is because I think it's important to recognize where you're starting from. Because it's so easy to kind of assume that God is like a bigger version of you and me. That his love is like the love that I imagine, but kind of somehow better, a bit more polished. And it's not. God is more different than that. And for you and I, the invitation is to encounter his love, to be filled with his fullness. So with the time that we have today, let's explore what our readings say about God's love, what God's love is like, and what it might look like for you and I to encounter that. And let's start in Ephesians. So there are two things that I want to pick up on here. First, the size. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is your love? Thank you. It was a big build-up. God's love is big, right? It's so big that it breaks the kind of narrow understandings of love that you find in songs like How Deep Is Your Love? You thought it was just a joke, but it was a point. It's so big that it's actually not the kind of thing that you can properly know. It surpasses knowledge. It's the kind of thing that you apprehend when it takes hold of you. Because second, this love is something that can root and ground you haven't got a song for that. Listen to those verbs again. Rooted and grounded, right? You are being rooted and grounded. They're organic. They're kind of solid. They're real. This is about what's most fundamental in life. It's actually about the ground of everything because God is Trinity. You can see it in the passage. Paul kneels before the Father that the believers may be strengthened by the Spirit and know the love of Christ, the Son, so that ultimately they can be filled with the fullness of this triune God. And it makes sense, right, that God is love because the triune God is loving eternally. Well, you have a look at this image on the screen. This is a picture of an icon created by Andrei Rublev in the 1400s, which kind of draws you in to the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through their unceasing mutual gaze. They're looking at each other, and the picture is so oriented that it kind of draws you into This ongoing communication between these three persons of the Trinity. This is someone trying to hint at the relationship which roots and grounds the whole of creation. And actually, at its most fundamental, our universe is composed of relations. Tensions held in creative harmony to produce a cosmos. Whether it's the particles in an atom or the swirling order of our solar system and galaxy. You see, if God is love, then love is the source of everything. Being itself, isness, is in relationship. It is in love. Think about it. The God who is eternal love in God's Trinitarian essence can only reveal God. God is God, and that's all God is. And somehow, God has spoken creation in such a way that the same love. Gives it being. It's the only being that there is. Love is fundamental. It's solid. It's organic. It's real. It's actually the most real thing there is. It's the thing that's there at the bottom that you can't peel away and get underneath. Underneath everything, there's an original love that called the universe into being and which is woven through it. And it's what called you into being and sustains you in every moment and which will eventually call you home you belong in this love you belong in this love we're having belong events you belong in this love see we're committed to pursuing the presence of God here at Trinity and I love that but Probably the moment that I most remember encountering God in a way that made this sense of God's love real to me was early in 2020, when I was in a road accident and got concussion. All of a sudden, words and thinking were stripped away. So worship was hard. And for a couple of weeks, I honestly struggled even to watch TV because focusing on a screen was difficult. So reading words in worship was really hard. Um, But in the midst of this... I remember having this sense of being held, being rooted and grounded by something that wasn't myself. Something, Rome Williams talks about creation resting like a feather on the breath of God. It's like being held by something that was sustaining my being, that was benevolent to me, despite my radical smallness next to it. I think God's love includes an emotional encounter in a group, but I think it goes way beyond it. I think it's underneath everything. But this love isn't just some faceless force as this kind of this image of the Trinity highlights for us. It's not just a faceless force that sustains creation. It's a personal relation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you and I are invited into. See, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they call You and me to come face to face with them. And actually, I think most human beings have some sense of this going on because this is the deep desire of every human heart. In Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. The desire precedes the seeking. And it's not just in the Bible either. The very first line of Aristotle's metaphysics, it's getting highbrow, reads like this. By nature, all men long to know. See, humans are the kinds of creature who have a hungry heart. That's Bruce Springsteen, less highbrow. They long to know, as Aristotle says. And what they long to know is ultimately this love that surpasses knowledge. They long to see the face of God. That is just what human beings are like. And it makes sense if you're part of a creation which is rooted in this love, that that would be what you ultimately long for. You can see echoes of it in our relationships with each other. From just a few hours old Newborn babies have shown a strong preference for looking at faces above everything else around them. And it's been found that the human face is the most important stimulus for a child's development within the first few months of life. Social media posts perform better when there are faces in the image. People have written that down to try to make more of an impact. Um, uh, Georg Christopher Lichtenberg um, a kind of a German, the first ever person to be a professor of experimental physics in Germany in the 1700s, he puts it really beautifully. It's from someone who studied lightning, so he has a lot to be fascinated by. He said, the most entertaining surface on earth is the human face. Why? I think there's an echo here of where we come from. We come from this eternal, loving, Gaze of the Trinity. It's written into our cosmos and it lives deep in our bones. We know, you know, that you were made for that kind of mutual attention. You came from this love and you were made to live in this love. And yet, I don't know if this is true for you, but I don't think it's always easy to live in this love. I think sometimes God's face is hard to find. And I think sometimes even if you do feel like you found him, it can be scary to live face to face. Those are my two points that are coming next. The rest of it will hopefully make sense now. There we are. Um, Think about the first line we heard from the psalm. Says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Now, you don't seek something you can already see unless you have a toddler. And they're not good at hiding yet. But God's face, it seemed that was funnier in my head. God's face, it seems, is not right there in front of the writer of this psalm. It's like God hides. In fact, Proverbs 25 verse 2 even says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Jesus says that he speaks in parables so that people will be ever hearing and not understanding. But in the next chapter, that nothing is hidden except for the purpose of being made manifest, right? There's some kind of hiding dynamic going on here. It's like God hides his face so that you might seek it. Maybe a different way of saying a similar thing is to say that sometimes God is somewhere so unexpected that it's not easy for you to see him there. I think of Horatio Spafford, this guy, an American lawyer and property owner who lost most of his investments in the Great Fire of Chicago in 1871. Two years later, he sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him across the Atlantic from the USA to Ireland for a European trip. Potentially to make themselves feel better. The ship sank. And after she was rescued, his wife sent him a telegram that read, Saved Alone. Imagine receiving that. Horatio traveled to join her and as he sailed over the spot where their ship sank, he sat in his cabin and penned the hymn, It is well with my soul. When peace Like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. His soul was seeking God's face as he passed his daughter's watery grave. I think of Paula Darcy. In 1975, Paula Darcy's husband and daughter were killed in a drunken driving accident. She was 27 years old and three months pregnant, yet she survived unharmed. Six months later, she gave birth to her second daughter, Beth, and began the long process of healing. That is her bio from her own website. She later wrote this astonishing line. Listen to this. God comes to you, disguised as your own life. Paula found God's face in a life marked by tragedy. Now, you might be different to me, but when I think about seeing God's face, I don't immediately go to car accidents or fires destroying my investments or ships sinking. And yet, what if Paula Darcy is right? What if God comes to you disguised as your own life Whatever it looks like. And actually, I know for some people in this room and some people in our congregation who are not in this room, that he does. Because one of the absolute privileges of my role is that I get to sit with some of you and look for Jesus in your life and try to walk towards him. That's, I, I, look after some, I look after some of the pastoral ministry here. That's what I'm referring to. Because often, seeking God's face is less about having your circumstances altered and more about knowing that it is well with your soul because he is still looking into your eyes. Sometimes God is hard to find. I think it takes a lot to trust that even when you do find him, doesn't it? Because it's not just that God is sometimes hard to find. It's that choosing to seek his face is risky. Right after the psalmist says that they're going to seek God's face, they say, do not hide your face from me. carries on. Do not reject me or forsake me. In your anger, don't turn me away. What a possibility. The psalmist seems to think you might go looking for God's face only to find out that he is turning away from you. You can't force God to show you his face. It doesn't work like that. Your goodness, good though it may be, will not twist his arm into showing you his face. If you're gonna orient your life around seeking God's face, then you will find that you have to rely on his grace. And it's scary. I think it's scary to be exposed like that in a relationship, to be looking into the eyes of someone Searching for a sign that they love you back. You've got nowhere to hide. You haven't hedged your bets. It's a really vulnerable request in this psalm. God, don't look at me and turn away. God, I'm made for your love and I want to see your face. I don't want you to look at me and be angry See, when you look into God's face and he looks into yours, you behold him and he beholds you and he sees what you are really like. And that's scary. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think it takes actually a lot of trust to see God's face. See, it takes trust that his love will be enough for you, that he will see you and he will love you. It takes trust to belong in his love. It takes trust to let yourself be known. And you might actually experience that here in the coming months too, as we focus on belonging. Maybe a challenge for you is to risk letting yourself be known here. Come and meet the risen Christ, as we say at the Eucharist, for we are his body. There's more of God's love for you to encounter here in this community. Because it's a risk but there's a reason to take it. See, the prayer of Paul for the Ephesians shows you that the answer to the anxiety of the psalmist is in Jesus Christ. The point in creation in which God took on flesh, had a human face, and definitively showed that there is nowhere beyond his love. The place where God showed that his love surpasses knowledge and is a love that roots and grounds you, that this love... And God's face is hiding where you least expect it. On a cross where the Father did not, in my opinion, turn his face away. But the triune God took all of our suffering into God's self in order to heal it. The answer to the anxiety of the psalmist is Jesus. And that's what the North African Bishop St. Augustine found. The fiery heart from our title slide actually comes from this image of Augustine, whose heart was set on fire by God's love. It reflects the way that he writes beautifully about how God was at work in the story of his life, in his confessions, the kind of first autobiography in world literature. And I want to read you a bit that comes toward the end of that book. Are you ready? Augustine writes this, "'Late have I loved you, beauty so old and so new. "'Late have I loved you. "'And see, you were within, "'and I was in the external world and sought you there. "'And in my unlovely state, "'I plunged into those lovely things which you made. "'You were with me, and I was not with you. "'You touched me, and I am set on fire.' To attain the peace which is yours. What's going on here? See, as he gets towards the end of his story, after laying out all the ways that he saw enjoyment and meaning in God's gifts in creation, Augustine is recognizing that the beauty that makes anything beautiful, the love that he was looking for all along, is found in God. That's where the fundamental love is and that's where it was all along. Listen to what he says. You were with me and I was not with you. Hear that another way. God, you were looking to try to look into my face even when I wasn't seeking yours. I don't know about you, but I don't tend to think about God's love being there even when I'm kind of hoping God won't look at me. That's what Augustine says, though. God, you were loving me even when I was turning away from you. See, for Augustine, God loved him in his leaving long before he loved him into returning. Augustine's love came late, but God's love never wavered. And this is true for you, too. The love of God is so deep, And so high and so long and so broad that it includes the moments that you leave and walk away, the moments that you fall, the moments that you fail, even the moments in which you are broken, as well as the moments in which you come back to God. You belong in his love. And so do your circumstances. In case you're wondering how the power that we were praying for and this love fit together, I think this is how God chases prodigals and raises Lazarus. It took Moses 40 years in the wilderness to be ready to see a burning bush and encounter God's presence there. And it took him that long to be able to see the suffering of God's people. And instead of going and murdering someone, understanding that God wanted to liberate them What are you struggling to see? What are you struggling to see as something that can be within God's love in your life? <laughs> uh, for me, it's a disease. I really struggle to see that being within God's love in my life. I struggle to see how God's at work in that. And that, honestly, that's okay because life is lived forwards but understood backwards. And Psalm 27 doesn't stop with the plea to God not to turn his face away, but asserts the faithfulness of his love. Even though my father and mother forsake me, still the Lord will take me in. See, he will not turn his face away, and he doesn't. Even in your tragedies, even in your falls, God is coming to you disguised as your own life. He will not leave you orphaned. If you seek him, you will find him. This is the promise of scripture. So seek his face. It's what your heart already wants. If you want homework, practice asking Jesus where he is in the room wherever you go. And whenever you notice that you're nervous, that's a great time to ask Jesus where he is because he will not forsake you the answer to the psalmist's plea is on the cross jesus has already gone to the most extreme situation when we say the creed we said that he we say that he descended to the dead he's gone to the most extreme situation to claim every inch of creation for christ and he will fill it with his fullness that's his promise the call on this church, as it is on every church, is to be a people who are rooted and grounded in this love now, who have the power to catch a glimpse of it and hand it out to others, to be a people who can live together with hearts on fire, filled with his fullness, bringing a city alive. That, right there, that's the love that God wants to draw you into. That's the love that God wants to draw you into this morning. That's the love that roots and establishes you. That's the love that you were made from and that you will return to. That is your home. That is the love that you belong in. Why don't we take a moment to receive that love this morning? I'd love to invite you to stand with me if you're willing and able.